Hi, I'm Jenny Ottaway, and welcome to the foundation of you. Whether you're feeling stuck in your job or you're considering a midlife crisis, hold up, there's a better way. I'm here to help you knock down the walls that no longer serve you. I'll teach you tools to help you rebuild your life, your way, the auto way. Let's get started. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another sensational episode of Foundation of You. Um, Today's guest, I'm so excited because we've got Jocelyn Chung here in the house. (laughs) And Jocelyn is, she's, I actually met Jocelyn through uh, our mutual mastermind that we were in, Ruby Lee's Amplify Mastermind Group. And what I loved about that group, Jocelyn, was it, it was just so supportive. And the women in there were um, just incredibly just happy and delighted for each other's successes and, and lifted each other up when, you know, things weren't going so great. So that was my first introduction to a mastermind and meeting you was an absolute bonus. So welcome. Jocelyn is a certified life and business coach. She's also got an MBA and master's in business administration, which I just, you know, bring, she brings all of this expertise to her role. She's a podcaster, author. You have just lived this incredibly rich life so far. You know, you've, you've left the corporate space, you know, the corporate world, and you have branched out and you've made coaching, you know, your thing. So tell me, what's, what was that like for you? What was the thing, Jocelyn, that made you decide, I'm going to leave the safety and security of corporate? Thank you so much for having me in your podcast today. I have been following you. Like always, we were connected through the mastermind group. And uh, there were so many occasions in that mastermind group that we learned. And all those beautiful things that you said was just the end results of a lot of the downside, the overcoming obstacles of life that, you know, those accomplishments and all all the wonderful titles that you read. But behind that, um, there was a lot of hard work that was amazing and um, brought out the best. You know, usually with a lot of um, success, it comes with a lot of challenges that I had to work through, be determined about it, you know, remind myself I can do it and not to give up. Yeah. And when I decided last year in July at a conference with Amy Porterfield, and she at the last day was asking, what is the one thing you want to achieve by December 2020? And I told myself, look, you know, I started this uh, coaching business 2019. I was still working in corporate as a financial advisor, providing advice to um, Australians. And I told myself, look, you know what? I think it's about time I just take up this challenge and choose a date and trust the universe to bring the rest to me. So I put my order out to the universe. I said, look, you know what? I visualize myself. I am going to leave corporate in December 2020. And I am going to have all this list of items tick off. 
I want to make sure that um, I've got a strong financial runway because one of the areas that I'm passionate about is money and abundance. And throughout my corporate career, I serve a lot of male. They take control of the finances. And then when the female comes, they always need to seek the validation of male to help them control their finances. And that is always an area of curiosity for me. And I'm going like, why? You are very able, capable, amazing. You mm. could learn anything. You run the household finances. Yeah. Yet you still want that validation. Why? And so my passion continued to grow stronger and stronger to really help financial um, female, you know, in, in a financial way, especially entrepreneurs to really rise up take that courage to go, I want to make millions. You know, when female are personal entrepreneurs and they grow their team and they build a team, they make good results. So my mm. dream and my mission is that every female should be like the next Elon Musk, you know, the next Jeff Bezos, the next, you know, Bill Gates. Why not? We don't have them on the name yet. So why not? So yes. that is my mission. Yes. Yes. Well, that just, it's such an interesting point too, because I notice, yeah. Why, why do you think that women can defer to, you know, their male partner or why do you think that's, um, where's this lack of confidence coming from that we don't feel confident in managing our own money or in, you know, as you say, shooting for the stars, being somebody like Elon Musk, you know, we can make millions. How does that paradigm shift? With a lot of us, our thoughts control our reality. So the moment we associate ourselves with the right people that can champion our success. So a number of areas that I continuously see in female entrepreneurs is that they don't have enough supporting um, network to help them build wealth. It's always like, you know, we have to give things for free. Whereas men are charging lots. So mm. why do female needs to be in that space of nurturing others? Oh, you got to give more. And if not, you're not looking as though you are helping. Well, we are helping and male are helping too. And why they have got the authority to charge more. So yeah. I want to shift women's mindset around, you know what, you own that, you are equally as strong, capable, and that we can together support each other. Because there's two sides of the coins, like everything. There's women who grow up and they've been told that they should be the ones that, you know what, should just be validated, you know, look to authority for guidance and, you know, not to shine above their male counterparts because they have been brought up with those stories, you know, generations to generations passed down. And then there's the other side of the story that the female is the strong counterpart. So let me give you an example closer to home is that my grandfather died, you know, 36 years and before my grandmother died. So we had a family business and my grandmother took whole run of the family business wow. since 1983. Mm. And so she runs it. She runs it like the CEO. She runs it like the CFO. She counts the money. She banks the money. She knows the numbers of every single product right to the very last day of her death. That is how 
much she loves business. Yeah. So I really received that from her because I was the only eldest grandchild that was taken care by her. And then, you know, like it or not, during our childhood, we, we listen and the people that surround us are the ones that we will be having most impression and having a lot of uh, behaviors, habits that we develop from them. Yeah. So I was effectively taken care by my grandmother. My mother was out working. So then I get the best of my mom who was teaching for 40 years and my grandmother who taught me, who spoke into my life, who told me I can do things, mm. who told me and raised expectation that I should be educated, I should be you know, capable of running you know, corporations. Like mm. I remember you know, Chinese culture every year um, in Chinese New Year, you receive the red packets. Yeah. And so when you give that red packet, there is a lot of meaning behind that. Number one, it's almost like a poem that you speak blessings, you speak abundance, you speak health, you speak prosperity. And this very, very vivid memory of mine is that she gave me that and she quietly said to me, you know what, I want you to be a CEO one day. Mm. So that stuck with me all my life because I wanted to do that for her because mm. it was like, wow, who else would have said that to me at that age? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and like all my life, people are trying to tame me down because I'm too ambitious. Wow. <laughs> I'm being wow. you know, told that you're way too ambitious. You, you want to achieve way too much. You're too fierce in your ambition. And I'm like, well, I'm just being me. And, mm-hmm. and so we need to have more women who can stir us forward. Yes. And you know, push us into places that can help us unleash our potential. And so she was very, very strong in terms of influencing me that way. My paternal grandmother was also someone who really nurtured me. Now, she, Bridget, is her name, was her name, really taught me about the value of money. So whenever she came to visit, she always, you know, gave notes to them. When they give you something, it's their expression of love. They don't really tell you, I love you in words. In, mm. in my family, it's like, we don't express love language that way. We either feed you, educate you, and also give you gifts if yep. we, you know, love you a lot. <laughs> and so that is their love language. Yeah. And so... I, I was very much influenced by that, by these two wonderful giants and heroes in my life. Yeah. And, and so their words stuck with me till today because that happened when you're in childhood. You know, your childhood can really um, impact the way we think and the way our brain is wired. Mm. And so that was hugely influenced by um, their words of wisdom that they imparted to me. Mm. And it's so powerful to have such strong role models. And as you say, because you're at a young age and impressionable and it's just, it really sets the path for how you live your life, isn't it? And, you know, your, what a gift that your grand, yeah, literal, what a gift (laughs) that your grandmothers gave you in that they saw in you this potential. And as you say, you know, I'm not going to dim my light for anybody. Um, I'm going to shine it. And then, you know, some people don't like that. They want to keep you small. They want to put you back in that box that they see, you know, you. And is that sort of what 
propelled you to leave corporate to say, I'm not going to be kept small? Yes. So then I left home. Malaysia was my home country. I left home when I was 17. And being in Australia, being a country where you don't have anyone speaking life, words of wisdom, affirmations over my life, um, you find your own path. You create your own path of success. It is very exciting, adventurous, but at, at the same time, you don't have the backing because mm-hmm. they're not there. You know, it's true phone calls only. And whenever you go back and visit every year, you get that impartation. But we are human, like we need to be rewired and re um, encourage every single time. Mm-hmm. And so my majority of my life was built in Australia from mm-hmm. corporate after I finished my degree and all that. And in yeah. the big white world where you are in the ocean with all sorts of different creatures, <laughs> it is a place where it's not easy. It is a place that you continue to have to prove yourself. You continue to have to overcome all sorts of different obstacles, challenges, you know, people playing down, people, you know, betraying the way you work, you know, people don't want you to progress because there's only that many space up the next level, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and then I was also working in a very male-dominated environment. So when I was in Ernst & Young, um, I was the only, you know, female in a lot of the uh, groups that we are assigned to work because at that point in time, there's not that many female who are there to work, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then as I progressed into the banking sector, at the, you know, I suppose more customer service tier, there's more female. But as you progress higher, higher up, there is more male. It's just that, you know, in Australia, we're still working through that. You know, workplace diversity was only introduced about, you know, 10 years ago. There's still a lot of work that we need to do if you listen from another country. So we, you know, then I moved to a level whereby if there is, you know, six leaders, I would probably be, you know, one of the two of the six who are female. And, mm-hmm. and so it was getting more and more challenging. Number one, there's an income ceiling. Mm-hmm. So as I progress, you could only work that much. You could give 70 hours of your life but you could only earn multiple six figure, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it. And what, I'm going to like sell my life and work 24-7 for the next level. Yeah. And, you know, already it is so competitive up there. And it was just like, I don't know, I, I don't have any more hours to pull out of my life. <laughs> as, you know, I was working hard. I was studying my MBA, but at the same time, you know, I was competing with so many people, right? Let's say state manager role. There's six of them. Then it's the one GM. Yeah. So it's a competition. And when they stay in that such a role for three years or so, they're about usually is, you know, when you stay in senior roles, middle management, the timeline is about three to four years and you are ready to move on. Anything longer than that is either you're stale or something's not right with you or your performance. So it's all this, you know, politics and behind the scenes that, um, is occurring and so you kind of have to either move companies to get a bigger pay rise or you have to change roles or move to different division and that's how you stand out so yeah. I moved from CBA to ANZ 
to move to more senior position, um, state position. And then from um, ANZ, I moved to uh, Westpac to get a bigger pay rise. It's almost like, you know, if you don't do that jump, the pay incremental of rates in Australia is about 3, 3% per year. Yeah, yeah. You know, so inflation rate is higher than that. And so there is a lot of just challenges. You don't really have to um, have much control. You are surrendered by the control of the person you're reporting to. And if they don't like you, then term, or, you know, they've got favors or favorites elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I want to be your favorite one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can totally relate because I also have a corporate career that I left and, you know, very male dominated in the IT world. And I, I was in IT security and you get to that point where you just feel almost um, it's you're so busy having to push uphill. And as you say, there's only a certain number of hours in a day. So you can either spend more time trying to, uh, you know, to achieve what is almost the impossible in many respects. So I get it. And I think, you know, at, at some point you decide that that's not working for me. And for you, it was obviously, you know, by December, 2020, you were like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. And, and what a, what a new, wonderful experience you are now, uh, you know, embracing and you're leading and you're showing other women, as you say, like that whole, what's possible from a financial perspective and just, you can live your life the way that you want to live and you're not beholden to others to decide what your future is going to look like. So tell me, and, and that, I just love that about you and you're very intuitive. How do you, so how do you mix the financial advising aspect and the MBA and the intuitiveness? How do you serve your clients? What's your main focus? I blend all together. So behind the scenes in my 20 years in corporate world, I've always been quite spiritual as a spiritual closet person. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, you know, faith believing and practices, you know, and I journal and I really wrote down my vision board year on year. And every morning I would have a list of affirmations on my mirror where I do my makeup. But I didn't know those practices were actually spiritually blended you know and and it's interesting you know like even Asian culture there's a lot of like reading feng shui for example you know how you face you know certain areas for prosperity abundance and all that so Mm -hmm. I'm always very aware and uh, being exposed to that but I never talk about it in my corporate world and my strategy where I run the business in the banking sector and I realized that ultimately we are spiritual beings. We, yeah. you know, strategy could only get you so far. Templates, checklists, process gets you so far. The part that personally I have come across in my corporate world, experiencing all the magic, the supernatural clients that come my way, are all from the universe. Yes. You know, a couple of examples that I can pull out is, you know, when I first met my first client who had in, um, so just before the GFC in 2007, around December, 
So in Australia, we had around that stage about GFC phase and all the banks were required to like have a cap in terms of how much interest they can pay around the balance of your bank account. And that was 1 million and anything above that, there's no government protection. Hmm. I was very privileged. I was assigned to look after a huge location and it's a very wealthy location in, in Melbourne, in Australia, it's Turek. And so I would go to that branch and the term deposit amounts will be in the millions. And I had this lady, she was so well-dressed. She walked in, she was very elegant. She came in, she was so, so stressed. Sat on my office and she goes, you know what, I'm really worried. I'm like, okay, you know, how can I help you? She said, look, you know what, I've got, you know, some amount in my bank account. I've split that. I know that the government has announced this, you know, protection and I've distributed it as evenly as I can. I pull out her bank details. I look at the accounts and I had to do this quite a few times. So I counted, she's got 7 million cash, cash mm. account, not investment, just mm. cash. And she was stressed. Sitting. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, that was the first experience I've, you know, probably experienced multiple millions. Yeah. So I was like, whoa, number one, it was uh, not surprised, but it was like, wow, I am privileged to look after someone with that level of, you know, cash amount. And number two, I was trying to wire my brain. Why is she stressed? Because I'm like, if I've got 7 million, I wouldn't be working. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, she's stressed and she's distributed the rest of the balance elsewhere in the four big banks in Australia. And it was like, so that was my first experience of like, whoa, multiple millions. It doesn't matter how much wealth you have. Ultimately, if you don't deal with your own security and your money stories, no matter how much you have, you will not have the ability to contain it because you don't have the energetic match for it. And so yeah. I realized that it's important to work on our spirituality to know that we are an energetic match as we go and progress. Yeah. So that was one area that I really learned that day. And I use this story all the time because it's just one of those things that I go, you can have so much, but still feel so poor. Yeah, well, it's that difference between the lack mentality and the abundance mentality and that belief that, you know, money is actually something of matter when we know that money is just energy and it's just a way of acknowledging, you know, a transaction. It can be very transactional, but it's just energy. And it's, you know, how do you help your clients to shift from, because a lot of those beliefs are from childhood, you know, and maybe she grew up in a, um, you know, in a poor country, or maybe she grew up here and she had lots of siblings and her, you know, like there's so many um, factors which shape our beliefs and our money mindset and how we look at abundance versus, because I know for myself, I grew up in a family of six kids. And so we had (laughs) hand-me-downs, you know, I wore my sister's hand-me-downs and we didn't have credit cards. I mean, they didn't really exist um, anyway until, you know, the eighties or something. And I remember that this life was so different yet today, you know, so many people feel, even though they might have that security, financial security, they don't see it as such as your, you know, your, your client felt, I don't, feel safe or I have this 
lack, you know, mentality? How, how can we overcome that? So a couple of things that I would invite our audience to, you know, um, think through is our thoughts. So number one is to create that awareness that you want to actually learn to understand about who you are and what's your money story. Mm. And if you're willing to do that, that's where I can help you shift that. Because that's one thing that money is not spoken about, not taught about in school. It's such a big, you know, daily transaction energy that we have. Yeah. But it's hush-hush. When was the last time you had discussed about money freely without having a fight or war or, you know, um, a lot of areas that are triggering you? at the dinner table, just talk for fun, you know, mm. just say, hey, you know what? today I'm earning $20,000 and I'm willing to just buy that Gucci sh- um, shoe and, you know, just shop there. Yeah. Well, what would the people around you on that table say? Whether they champion you or they're jealous or they're envious or whatever it may be. But having that right network of friends who help you understand money energy is really important. Mm-hmm. And then shifting any outdated money beliefs right? Mm-hmm. Any other, it could be something that someone said, whether it's from a family member, whether it's from a father that says, and a lot of my clients, a lot of their fathers said, you know what, you're bad in money. You always spend more than, you know, we could earn, you know, we're trying to save up for the next bill or we don't have enough. So let's, you know, do with, um, you know, coupons or whatever. They are not bad, but there is an energy aspect into that. Like you said, I'm the scarcity mentality. So doing all that money work, right? Even for myself, coming from a very blessed family, I still have money energy that I had to clear off all those mind dramas, all those mind shit. Mm-hmm. Because at every level, every new devil appeared. <laughs> so make sure that... You know, we have got that really, you know, dealt with. Every time you create that self-awareness and we deal with it, you can only release more of your own potential because we are potential beings, full stop. Yes. Like if you do not know that you're a potential being, today, under the sound of my voice, I am declaring that you are fully full of potential. All right, live your fullest potential. Don't let anyone hold you back from that. Mm. because you're born, you're born with it. Yes. You're born to make a difference in this world. And then from there, you know, deal with all those money behaviors and then start to see where you can then develop strong money habits. Now, habits doesn't happen overnight. I cannot give you a magic pill. I have not been able to produce that in my pharmacy. (laughs) (laughs) And and if I do have that, I will make sure that my laboratory will produce a lot of that. But money habits come with daily practice. So the more we practice that, the more we associate ourselves with living in abundance, right? Yeah. Abundance is uh, connected with money, but also with time, with health, with relationships. But today, because we are focusing around um, energy and money, so you know, I invite you know our audience to really think about how we can develop healthy money habits. Because, honey, I don't want you to go drink less latte. Why not drink more latte and make more money? Yes, right. Why yeah. not? Yeah, buy that Gucci bag that you've been dreaming about rather than dreaming about. Make it reality, right? If you need to have three Louis Vuittons, buy that three Louis Vuittons. 
but use your talents, create value of your talents and make more money of that. The world needs that. In fact, there is less people at the top. So there's a lot of space at the top for you to flourish. <laughs> yeah. There's too many people in the bottom that's crowded. Uh-huh. So use your talents. And so build and discover your own talents, discover your own superpower, work on your own strength. You know, Jenny and I, you know, we are people that can bring out your strengths. Mm. Like that is my superpower. I love to guide you towards your own strength, towards your own skill sets. Because sometimes we're also conditioned to work on someone else's skill sets and sharpen strengths that we don't need and then fail to devote time to really build up the strengths that is within us. Yeah. So that's where the magic will come in, where you build your own uniqueness. You're an artist, write the best song, like Ed Sheeran, you know? Mm. You know, opera, they are the ones that can write the check and then give to all the different charity organizations. Wouldn't you be that side of the coin writing the check? Yeah. Why not? And a couple of things, like there's like words that have just jumped out at me as you're talking. One is transparency. So you know how you shared that we don't always hear, you know, how much people are earning. I know when I was growing up, we never talked about how much anybody earned. It was like this you know, gross question. If you asked somebody, how much do you earn? So you'd sort of say ballpark, you know, what do you earn? Whereas now when people disclose how much they earn, this transparency provides like, it's almost like that can be possible for me as well. And then the other word that jumped out to me is just to have those expanders, people who are living um, the life that you want to live. And, you know, if it's, if it's luxury brands that you want, you know, I, I always sort of, I remember growing up or, you know, probably more in my twenties and thirties, like I never felt comfortable going into the Louis Vuitton store or a luxury brand place. I, I always kind of felt a little bit out of place. And I think that's my six kids growing up story and, you know, eating at the table, if you, the fastest eater, you know, got the best and most food, (laughs) you know, if you you weren't quick enough, you might lose that, you know, chicken wing or whatever that was on the plate, you know, you need to make sure you're fast. So it's, you know, that mentality of, oh, I'm worthy and have surround myself with expanders of people who, who can show you what's possible for yourself, if that's what you desire. You know, there are many people who might want um, different things like a house or they might, you know, that's security or safety, whatever. We've all got that thing that sings to us. As you, you mentioned earlier, you did a vision board, you know, um, how often do we ask ourselves, what do I really want? What is it that I would love to have, but I don't have right now? And how can I get it? What can I do to get that? Yep. And so what can you do to get that? Number one is. You want to be ready to receive coaching Mm. because coaching can really unlock a lot of things in your life. That's why I believe it. I sit on wealth coaching, financial coaching with my clients over 20 years and then coaching my financial advisors. And I know that, you know, it's only magical when you are in it. There are certain things that you can't do it through a self-paced program or an online program. There's a place for every types of packages but in your lifetime if you have never had one-on-one coaching 
choose a coach that is an energetic match that can really bring those goodness out of you because that is priceless. Mm. That is priceless. Number two is continue to, I'll say this with a lot of sensitivity, sensitivity, but continue to detox people in your life. There are people that you have to let go because if they are not going to be good influencers to champion your next success, Mm. then you need to find the next group that can help you, your squad that can cheer you on, right? Yeah. Actually, finishing the finishing line is hard. You can't do it alone. You will need a supporting team. No top richest player and athletes in the world play their game on their own. Novak Djokovic won 85, you know, competitions, right? He has two professional coaches. One of them stayed with him for about 20 years or so. (laughs) Michael Jordan, you know, played a lot of expected, you know, games that he was tasked to win it. Now he failed it, but he had coaches to coach him to get it best to the next level. Even all the trillionaires, the billionaires, you know, like Elon Musk, they have got board of directors who give them advice. He mm-hmm. can't do it on his own. He's got 24 hours like we do, right? Yeah. He needs to sleep. He might not sleep for a couple of days, but after a while, <laughs> our body is our body, right? Our body yeah. is a temple. We need to care for it. We need to nurture it. We need to nurture our brain. So we need to ensure that we have that right board of directors advisors, counselors, people who can champion us, guide us, mentor us to the direction that you see yourself possible to achieve the impossible. Mm. And Mm. then, you know, basic things. If you don't have daily habits that you practice, I invite you to do that because nobody can do that on your behalf, right? Journaling is a great way to really journal your thoughts. If you don't do journaling, I invite you to do journaling because, you know, that has been life-changing for me. So the thing about journaling, can I just um, uh, get you to elaborate on that? Because I know, you know, I, I also journal. And before I really learned how to journal, like it's actually not about getting out all of the bad things that I was feeling either about, you know, how situations have gone. It's actually a way of describing yourself in the now, but in the, in the future, you know, I am worthy. I am, you know, there's actually an art to it. Isn't there like share that, that part of it and what you do. I approach journaling is I would always have questions that really prompt me to certain areas of the day that I wanted to be quite intentional about. For example, I am writing the second uh, a chapter in a second book project now. Now I need creativity. So the theme around creativity is very much circulating there, activating my brain. So I would journal any rage, any drama that I hold in my thought and just journal that, right? 15 mm-hmm. minutes, drop that shit out of the system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I craft and write my future. Yes. So writing our future is really important. And until we choose to do that, nobody can help us do that because we have to choose to write positive language. The world is created with language. You and I know that, you know, whatever we say, we create 
it into reality. So, <laughs> you know, write it out and then say it and believe that we have to really reprogram our subconscious mind because every single day we have got so many different thoughts, right? Around 50 to 80,000 thoughts that are repeated. And usually they are the past negative thoughts. They're very rarely, unless we're super ultra intentional, we have a lot of positive thoughts. That's why mm -hmm. journaling is a very, very good method to write your future. Yes. And then I invite you then to do meditation. Now, you don't have to sit down 45 minutes, 90 minutes to do meditation. Mm -hmm. It is really the power of being able to focus your brain. And it could take five minutes, it could take three minutes. But to actually zone in on your breathing, that's where the magic comes in. Why? We are the breath of life, right? Without mm -hmm. breath, that's where we will not function. So take deep breaths and really then visualize what you wrote down in your journal and really see yourself there. Transport yourself there and imagine that, right? A great, powerful book I invite our audience to read is called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And there is a very huge section around the power of visualization. So read that because that is where Walt Disney created Disneyland. Right? Really? That's where, visualize it. And that's where he goes, you know what? When he passed away, he had uh, Disneyland created. He already knew. He played it in his mind. He knows where things are placed. And that's where the fun begins. If yeah. you can see in your mind, you can feel it in your mind. When you can yeah. feel it in your mind, your feelings will get you to move in the right direction. Yes. So, Thoughts create the right feelings. Feelings create the right actions. Actions will then become our reality. Yeah. But I invite us to really play on those things. It doesn't have to be long. It has to just be, you know, maybe 15 minutes, maybe half an hour. It's not the length of time. It's actually the focus at that mm -hmm. point in time being fully present and the rest will work itself out. Yeah, because the mind actually doesn't recognize the difference between what's not true and what's true. So you can be that, you know, whatever it is that you're writing, you can actually be that because you're telling your mind, this is who I am. And, and the, the opposite's true. You know, if, if we're telling our mind that, oh, I could never, um, I don't deserve that. Or, you know, if we deflect then our mind goes, okay, well then that's true, you know? So it really is important, those steps. And you can meditate or journal at any time in the day. You know, I tend to do it in the morning for myself because when you're waking up, particularly early in the morning, um, that's the best time if you want to access your subconscious or your theta brainwave state because that is when you can really start to you visualize it without any of the external distractions. But it doesn't mean you have to do it then. But I just give myself a little bit more time before I wake up in the morning. And I um, like this morning, I actually did two meditations. I did one, um, two 20 minute sessions. So 40 minutes, which was amazing. And I felt, you know, and each one had a different one was about love. And the other one was about <clears throat> changing your energy. You change your life. Yeah. Yeah. I do that in the morning as well. And um, 
And then I exercise, I move my body because there's these hormones that are created once you move your body. Yeah. You know, it's called sorotin. You cannot package it somewhere. So far, I've not seen it on any farm. <laughs> Again, you know, you can only generate that out of you, whether you, you do your favorite sport. Like for me, yesterday, I gone back to do boxing, right? And that's something that I love because, mm. you know, it's just, you know, learning all this art of defense as well. And then next week, you know, uh, the gym is open for us in um, my state after lockdown. So I cannot wait to go back. But prior to COVID-19, um, I had always been into gym, always gone for cycling, did yoga, did Pilates. So all those things, whatever you do, allows you to actually treat your body well. You've mm -hmm. got to treat your body as a temple. You've got to treat your body like you are the goddess. You are the goddess. You are the queen. And so if you don't, then who would? Yeah. <laughs> so it's really yeah. important to like, do a lot of self-love. And that means, you know, move your body, eat nourishing food, feed your brain, connect yourself with people who champion who you are and love you for who you are and see you in the mess, but also celebrate you mm. in your success. And, and that's what I, I invite, you know, people to do. And um, yeah. I think that's a really important step is to surround yourself um, with all of those things that you said, but certainly people who want to see you grow, who support you. And that's why kind of a nice little um, circle back to how we met was in that mastermind. So as we both had left the corporate world, you know, a, a mastermind or a coach gives you just that added support of, you know, we're all, we're human beings that desire and require connection. And so it's really important to connect with people who are going to um, nourish you and provide that support. And certainly, you know, maybe give you a bit of a reality check as well. <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with honesty, but honesty that comes from a place of love and support and compassion. And I guess, you know, for me, I, I think it's about seeing our greatest potential in all of us. You mentioned it at the very beginning. Everybody has the potential. Everybody has the possibility to be whatever we want. And that's why it's really important to provide your, you know, invest in a coach. Investing in a coach is not actually about the investment um, of them. It's actually an investment in yourself and yeah. you know, valuing yourself and providing you with that access to something that is bigger than who you are right now. And it's really, really powerful. It's, um, you know, since 2014, I had always had a coach. I had an executive coach that I hired, you know, at the time because I wanted to progress in my career. I hired an, a coach. And, you know, since then, I've, now I have, you know, different, you know, mastermind groups and, you know, different coaches that I connect with and being coached. And, you know, every level, you will get something out of it. Mm. Even Tony Robbins, who is so wealthy, even Grant Cardone, who is so wealthy, right? Um, Kevin Ray or whoever, Gary Vee or whoever that, you know, you follow, they all have a coach. Marie Folio, yeah. Amy Porterfield, you know, Selena Sue, they all have a coach because they are the ones that, you know, 
point you in the right direction because you know we are humans, right? We we tend to you know immerse ourselves in one direction, and then you know you need guidance, and so also being willing to be coached is really important. And when you're willing to be coached, I guarantee you the price you pay is going to be priceless for you receiving it because that's life changing. You collapse time. You had, you know, people who done it already and tell you, hey, there is, you know, different ways to do the same thing, mm-hmm. better, safer, richer. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yes. All, all of that. And that's why I think it's, again, it's that support and that just somebody who believes in you, but also doesn't do the work for you. I think there's this perception or, you know, it's probably not a very popular perception, but it can be where people say, you know, I want, what sort of results am I going to get? And it's like, well, it's the results that you're willing to put in. That's what you'll get out. Right. So it's really important that when you do seek coaching, that, you know, uh, that you're up for some work and it, it can be emotional work. It can be your, your own, just what, a, you know, physical work like in terms of what do you want to achieve and what are you going to do to move towards that and to be able to get that? Cause you can't just sit back manifestation or, you know, setting a goal or whatever doesn't happen just because you have a thought you have to take action on that. Yes. And I like the way you really highlighted the fact that, you know, a coach is not responsible for your results. Ultimately, you put the work, they coach you. So the easiest example we can provide to give clarity is that you hire a PT trainer, right? Your PT has got six pack. You can go, all right, when I interview you, show me your six pack. Good. (laughs) I pay you $100 per session. Now I want your six pack. He goes, sure, I've got a wonderful program. I will coach you around that. You got to carry the weight, my friend. You yeah. got to eat the nourishing food. <laughs> the literal day. weight. <laughs> You've got to carry those weights, lift those weights. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you really also got to drink enough water. Yeah. So that you're not dehydrated. You got to do it in a way that you will not get injured. And ultimately, you're the one getting the results because mm-hmm. when you go for that photo shoot and you got that hot body on that size eight, you know, red hot dress and you're walking down the street, who's getting the benefit? You pay for that $100 per session. Well, you're getting the benefit because you show up 100%. You did and carry all the weights every single time you did that training. And so again, you know, that's the result you put in. And obviously, right, the coach has got the right program. Ultimately, the coach also wants to get results, right? And so the guidance, right, where he goes, right, your body shape, you need to focus more on this part of your body in order to you know, shared off because all of us are shaped differently. And so that's where his expertise or her expertise comes in and that we receive that, that is tailored, personalized for us to get the results that we want. So that's just, you know, a simple example from a fitness perspective. But from a business coaching perspective is you have got unlimited ability to reach your fullest potential. You could be the billionaire in the making now. Why not? Someone's got to be on par with Bill Gates. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And why not you? You know, that's the whole crux of it is that if not, you know, me, then who? 
If not now, then when? Such a beautiful conversation, Jocelyn. I've had a wonderful, just wonderful time just chatting about, you know, all those things around money and mindset. And it's just been such a growth opportunity for, I think, for anybody listening. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I really loved it. It was just so much fun. Thank you so much, Jenny, for having me. I really enjoyed the show. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing your time with me today. I hope you enjoyed the energy we created and gained further insights around what fulfillment means to you. If you love the vibe and want to live a more inspired life, I offer one-on-one coaching with my Foundation for Fulfillment signature course. More freedom, more fulfillment, starting now. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Share and leave a review to let others know how this podcast made you feel. And remember, there is no ceiling, only the one you create. So keep raising the roof. Till next time.